All right, doing the silent podcast doesn't really work like it does for a silent film. Mm. Welcome to Eyes in the Dark, where we believe... <laughs> we'll tweet the title cards. <laughs> yeah, we'll tweet I, all the... Fu- we'll live tweet I thought tweet you it. literally just lost your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like lip syncing or like... That gag was not rehearsed. No. It was not. They were like, what the fuck is happening? I thought you were like trying to tell us that we should say it or... What? Yeah, like uh, Chewie's <laughs> lost it. He's finally lost it. This movie mm-hmm. drove him mad. Um, anyways, welcome to Eyes in the Dark. It's a horror movie podcast, and we have a model, and that model... Oh, we, we have a model now. Yes, now, she is in studio. She's yeah. gorgeous, and uh, uh, her name is... Ian. <laughs> Ian. <laughs> uh, we have a motto, and that motto is simple. <laughs> Apparently not simple enough for me to fucking get it right every fucking time. That's death by celluloid. So, we love horror movies, and that's why we're here. Not we don't to, care who knows. Not to be confused with death by cellulite. Yes, no, that's a very that's, a, that's thing. just a terrible death. That's a, that's a terrible death, definitely. But ar- <laughs> arguably, it could be awesome because I mean, the road to cellulite, nachos, donuts, more donchos. This is true. Yeah, I guess the journey is definitely eventually. <laughs> donchos. Oh, that's nachos made of donkey. Yeah, <laughs> I have those in there. Tijuana all the time. I, I thought we were talking about donut nachos. Donchos. Uh, oh, that sounds much better. I'm sorry. <laughs> Donkey meat nachos. <laughs> the James story. Oh, mules. Um, all right. So you're you're joining us, the Unholy Trinity. I'm Chewy. We have here. Uh, James. Uh, <laughs> James. And finally, we have. Uh, some people call me Evan. Some people some call people him Evan. Some people call me idiot. Either way. I call him idiot. Yeah, I call him daddy. Um, so we have Evan, <laughs> James, myself. We are the Unholy Trinity. Um, welcome. So you're back for some more, apparently. I don't know why you are. This is a terrible show. I don't know why any of us are here right now. But hey, you're here. So here we go. <laughs> I need something to listen to on the way to work in the mornings. Do you really listen to our show? Yeah, I listen That's to our show. I, I never listen. listen to any of my shows. Because I I don't like the sound of my voice. Oh, I hate the sound of my voice. I thought it's not like a retard. Oh, I, I jerk <laughs> off to the sound of my voice. I just sit there and I'm like, yeah, it sounds so good. So the reason I said retard is because I just and I'm watched, also driving to work. I just watched the episode Roland on on the X Files uh-huh. season one. Yeah, about the mentally handicapped guy who killed people. Nah. Just look it up, guys. No, no, I, fin- right. I finished season one not too long ago. Which one? You know, it's the second to last episode. Rolling. I wonder if at some point Rolling. on this show we should do like TV shows or TV episodes. Yeah, why not? We could do a Twilight Zone or. Oh, that'd be fucking rad. X Files, the movie, the show. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, enough about the future. Let's talk about now. But before we talk about now, we have some business to get at. So you can go ahead and reach us, these three fucking idiots. Um, you can reach me individually at. On Twitter at Chupacabra, C H E W P A C A B R A for Evan. Uh, it's Evan the Braun. Spell it, figure it out yourself. And you can find me at Jurassic Price. Good save. At which no one tweeted me for a dollar. You're supposed to tweet me your address, I'd send you a dollar. Ah. I did. So I am a rich man. <laughs> He's got so many dollars to spare, guys. You're you're missing out right now. You can also tweet at us collectively uh, on Twitter at EITDPod. Uh, you can reach us 
at uh, our email if you'd like to electronically. And that's going to be eyes in the dark podcast at gmail.com. You can check us out online, eyes in the dark podcast.com. And as always, we are part of the Stuff and Things Podcast Network. Stuff and Things, I'm sorry. Did I get that right? Stuff and Things Network? Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, okay. Stuff and Things Network.com. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we have a show to get into today. But before we do that, just a little bit about ourselves. You know, uh, I, myself, me, I got into horror movies via zombie flicks and weird Asian horror films, which I have yet to bring. So we'll uh, see what the future brings. I thought hey, you were just going to say weird Asian. Don't let me forget when we finally do a zombie yeah. movie. I have an amazing story about how that became a term. Okay. Yeah. Zombie? Yeah. Okay. You'll like it. All right. All right. I'm, I'm game for that. Um, so Hold that's my backstory. That's how I got it. And I just, I love horror movies, man. I want to talk about them more. I kind of fell out of them for a little while. And that's why I'm like, hey, you know what? Fuck that shit. I'm going to, I'm going to watch some horror movies and talk about them with my friends here. So Evan, your backstory. Uh, I have terrible parents. <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. And then, well, yeah. uh, let me watch whatever I wanted. So I got desensitized and just fell in love. Or did you get hypersensitized? Uh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know what that word means. Up for, up for debate. <laughs> it's the opposite you, of desensitized. Um, yeah, I just uh, I love a little uh, little excitement, a little fear. Get little your fear. Uh, endorphins going. All right. You know? some, some fear to yeah, it gets balance that, out. Gets it, that blood churning. It gets them hard is what he's trying to say. Yes, I'm kind of a risk taker and I like to jerk off. So horror movies do both <laughs> things great for me. <laughs> All right, cool. Rocking and rolling, rock hard and, and rolling for sure. So, James, I have a question for you. Aside from having mm. microphones and the means to do so and a lot of beer in us, why do we do this show? What, why, why? Oh, we're looking to uh, prove or disprove um, the legitimacy of horror movies in Hollywood. Uh, they're often kind of bastardized, people avoid them, they don't want to be scared. And we're trying to prove what we think the point yeah. is that uh, some of them should be seen because they hold a lot of cinematic value and just, you know, everyday social value. And so uh, I think Caligari will be an interesting, uh, interesting film to do because it was before the Academy Awards. Yes. So I like to nominate our movies for Academy Awards, but we can't do it this time because it didn't exist by the time this yeah. movie came out. When did the Academy Awards start? Uh, 1929. There you are, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Dr. Jurassic Price. The smartest man alive. Roosevelt Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard. You can actually, if you just walk in, don't say anything, walk in to the Roosevelt Hotel, straight up the stairs, and go to the right, and you can see the room where they held the first Academy Awards. It's tiny. Are you serious? Can you do that, seriously, yep. without without talking to anybody? Yeah, well, I've done it three times, and w only once did someone stop me, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, hey, I just want to see the room where they filmed the Academy Awards, and the guy was like, all right. Really? Yeah, because you can go in and go to the bar, which is okay. to the left, but if you just go up the stairs, it's the first door. That's cool, dude. Yeah, it's pretty rad. So if any of your fucking L.A. locals are making a trip, do it. Speaking of Academy Awards, yeah. can't talk. We had trivia last night, and yeah. one of the questions, we had to name four movies that won Academy Awards. The first best picture ever. Uh, Wings? Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Fuck you for knowing that. Yeah. What is that? Yep. It's it's a uh, Paul McCartney's a, band. <laughs> yep. Paul McCartney's band yeah. back in history. <laughs> no, it's actually the precursor to Jag. I really? Still don't know what that is. Jag wait, wait, the TV really? show. The night. No, no, it's a joke. 
Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, God damn it. There was a TV show called Wings in the 90s. Yeah. I know. That's on USA. Oh, well, I should have made that joke instead. Yeah. See, but you're so smart. Of course I'm going to believe everything you say. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't I? Sorry. The best uh, first picture that won best, best picture. colored picture. Yeah. Not colored picture. Best picture in color. Sorry. Best picture in color. Wizard of Oz. That's what we guessed. Yeah. It's Gone with the Wind. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah, but we—the only reason we thought that it wasn't right is because we thought that Gone with the Wind was black and white, and then colored and then later. Added, yeah. Mm, no. And then it was best or the first was first be- movie that that was won. A, uh, be- first sports film yeah. that won, or first sports movie that won. Okay, best picture. Best picture. Brian song. No, no, was it that, or was it just first sports movie to win an Academy Award? I think so. Blindside. It was Rocky. Rocky. Oh shit! Duh. Yeah, and then the other one was uh, Rocky won Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. And then the other one was uh, the first first remake. remake to win an Academy Award. Uh, oh, remake, not sequel. Yeah. Um, sequel would be Godfather too. Remake. This oh, one I have I've, no clue. I've heard many. of the movie, but I don't. I didn't. I, no I forgot the title of the movie already. What well, is it to win Best Picture, or I just th- to win an Academy Award? I think I just to think win. Just to win. Oh, I don't know. It, I forgot the name. What was it called? I don't remember. It was some movie back in like 1930-something. It was a yeah, remake it was like, it was like 30, yeah. It was like 35. Yeah. That's what, but, like... Because I was just trying to think of like more recent The one ones. with the hotel like, in the true, title? Was, like the uh, Grand Hotel? Uh, no, no. Like, no. like I was thinking like True Grit or like Through Ten to Yuma or something like that, but no, it was like way back in 1930. But anyways, speaking of movies and speaking of old fucking movies, tell us a little bit about today's movie, the movie we chose to do today. Give us a little background on that, guys. Well, I've got um, a whole other podcast about the the history of this film. Really? Just oh the yeah, it's an important one because uh, it's um, kind of the title film of of an era of German expressionism, which was uh, huge in the time right after coming out of World War One. It was uh, the Germans didn't ha- don't have much uh, spotlight in film, but yeah. the spotlight that they do have is from nineteen seventeen to nineteen twenty four, and this movie was the highlight of it. Expressionism, German expressionism, as you can tell in the movie, yeah. ver- is very dramatic, and it was brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant at the time because uh, nineteen. This movie is mi- like they made it in nineteen nineteen, and I don't okay. think it came out until a year or two later. But at the time, uh, in er- the early nineteen hundreds, yeah, twentieth century, whatever you want to call it, uh, Hollywood and movies were kind of focused on um, what the, the term I think is called. Uh, I can't remember. Spectacle of sim- Cinema. I can't remember. Okay. It, it's an article by Tom Gunning, and he talks about um, how really people up till 1913 were just going to the movie theaters to see actual moving images. Yeah. Right? They were fascinated by machines and moving images, and, and just they were just shocked that it was actually happening. Yeah. And then you see this transition away from that to, to actual narratives, right? A little bit of George Melies, which we've mentioned before, and... Um, uh, People start making films that are are supposed to be stories. Yeah. And before that's just kind of spectacle. Um, so like and just so like you see narr- mo- narrative films come into play in 1913, okay. moving on. And up until like they spent three, four years just trying to get a film together that made sense. Yeah. Story wise. And so what the Germans did is not only do they put together a story, but then they also threw in just crazy visuals into the yeah. movie, which is, I mean, it's so apparent in this. Yeah. They've got crazy camera techniques they have 
this huge expressionist art going on. They have incredible lighting techniques that are reminiscent of last week's movie, The Babadook. Yeah, yeah. You can see where this might have stole some ideas. Absolutely. And um, and just kind of very dramatic, these dramatic characters, which is common in silent films, but these are, are kind of, you know, expressions of in yeah em, embodied in a character so it's really a, a cool time for cinema because you're getting so many revolutionizing things all at once that it's it's almost confusing to audiences uh, especially american audiences they were highly confused by german films at the time they're like what we don't get this we don't understand it they're radical there's so much art going on it's confusing yeah. and they're used to kind of more you know hollywood was just trying to put together boring narratives at the time so it was a uh, pretty revolutionary so, who who is the mastermind behind this revolutionary piece of film? Well, you got to remember at this time too um, it, that directors are not the focal point of movies like they are. Now. Okay. So that directors don't become the focal point of movies till about the late forties, early fifties, when okay. when actually French writers start writing about how directors are the real authors of the movie, and that's huh. auteur theory, which yeah. we'll get into it. In another episode. So would it be but the it, actual at the, uh, at writers? This, at this time, the writer and producers were the big ones. Producers in Hollywood because they were kind of idea men. And then they, they would hire writers. And then internationally, it was a little bit more of the writers. You had to have a creative yeah. guy. And I think a lot of the guy that uh, the guy that gets a lot of the credit in this is uh, Carl Mayer. Because he goes on to write 100 German films in like five years. And that's wow. not an exaggeration. Yeah. Like it's, it's really that many. Should, any other like notable ones? Uh, the director Robert Weenie yeah. Wayne Vainly. If the Aussie I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Ween. <laughs> Veen. Uh, you know, I've heard him credited with a lot of like cool stuff for this film, like including some of the scenes and and shadows and whatnot. But yeah. I don't know how much of that is true and how much of that is is you know speculation after the fact. Like, oh, the director has a big part to play in every movie, yeah. so he must have had. So. Well, it's kind of like when you talk about like comic books and stuff like that you know a lot of early creators didn't necessarily get the credit that was you know deserved they would give it to other people that were already prominent in there you know you had um bob kane you know as like oh he was the the guy that created batman and say oh bill finger kind of did a lot of the fucking work there and you know later on you had uh what's um jaren joel schuster um for superman uh, you had, you know, like uh, Stan Lee was getting like a lot of credit for like a lot of characters that, you know, he maybe had a hand in, but wasn't his sole creation, you know, and like Jack Kirby later getting like credit where credit's due and stuff. So right, I feel like that happened a lot, and you know, back then it was just like one yep. person got all the credit for the work of, you know, a, a team of people, and it wasn't necessarily, I, I think, like just. You, you can't thank everyone individually because now you, you look at a film set and there's so many hands on yep. board that you say, oh, uh, you know, you know, whoever it is, Christopher Nolan, you have, you know, like Zack Snyder and all them. But there's a whole, you know, small army behind it. But there we're, we're talking not as many people as we have now. They could have been given the credit. Yeah, I think I think you hit on two great points there, too. One that you're right like you know comic books like a lot of mediums it took a long time before they could really establish who to give credit to and especially in hollywood where egos run high yeah it took 60 years it wasn't until you know the 70s when directors actually became 
uh, obviously there was a lot of talk beforehand, but it wasn't until the 70s where directors became the highest paid person in a movie. Mm-hmm. It was always the stars or the producers. And then director, once you get, you know, some Spielbergs and some Coppolas, the film school generation, as yeah. they call them, um, that's when directors start becoming the, taking the reins of the movie. Uh, so there's a lot of shift in credit. And then also what you say is uh, about um, movies being a team effort. I think is really key to this movie because what the cabinet of Dr. Caligari does is show us a very important time in German history. And this is what makes movies so cool is that they are kind of global time capsules in that because they are made by, by a, uh, a group of people and not one person, it's not an individual's idea, right? Yeah. It's all this input coming in from various people on set or uh, in the script. And so you can, you can actually say that this is kind of a, almost like a snapshot or a poll of people who lived in Germany at the time who were making movies. This is the general public's ideas put into a movie. Yeah. So it's really credible as a source of you know what, what life might have been like because you're getting input from multiple people, not from one person, right? That's awesome, dude. So it's really cool because you get a shot of what was going on in Germany at the time right after the war. It's a little right? slice of life, essentially, just told through an artistic lens. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it kind of parallels like the Weimar Republic. And at the time, I think Germany was trying out socialism, which was not going well. Yeah. And you see the, like, the distribution of classes, obviously, here with, you know, they parallel it with you've got kind of the insane asylum people. Yeah. And then you've kind of got the doctors. Yeah. And it's this separation of class that obviously they're trying to bring together socialism, everyone's equal, um, but it's not working, what's which is exactly what's going on in, in Germany. And there is like when the, he wants to get the manhunt together for Caligari and he goes to the police, you know, um, Francis, right? Right. Um, he He's not he's not a member of the police, right? He's just some Francis? dude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's just. But a, he he goes. Just seems to be some sort of aristocrat. He, he goes and he, he you know he's telling them he's like this man whatever there's this murder and all that sort of stuff, and it's not the police. The police are like oh let's get people involved or whatever. But really he's the one that has that statement. He says I won't rest until these you know treacherous murders or whatever you know are solved, and he takes it into his own hands. And even you know towards the end where they're looking for Caligari. You know, and and he they're investigating. He's leading the charge with the doctors, right? You know, not the actual law, authorities, the not authorities, the right. not the ones that represent you know government. Let's say exactly. You know, so it's kind of it was kind of interesting that you know they kind of put their hands in there, but they didn't really do shit. Yeah, precisely. And yeah. and why that's so important uh, at the time is because it's it's paralleling what's actually happening in Germany. Right? Yeah. The government is is kind of trying to realign like socialism, get away from. I think they were in communism beforehand, mm-hmm. and then um, there's a shift because socialism isn't working. Is actually why Hitler ends up coming to power. Yeah, and there's a great article about this movie and Hitler, and it's called "From Caligari to Hitler: German uh, Germany in the 1920s." Uh huh. And first of all, you learn a lot about movies, yeah. and second of all, you learn how movies and history kind of intertwine. And how you can learn so much just from watching a movie like this. And then if you were, say, to go read the Wikipedia page, yeah. you'd, be, you'd surprise yourself about how much you know about 1920s Germany from watching this movie. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. So it's very important in the time of cinema. I see Evan nodding his head over there. 
just taking it all in. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I told you I could talk a whole no, podcast. Dude, that's about fucking this. awesome, dude. Like, that's why I, I have you here. Because honestly, otherwise, it'd just be like, hey, Evan, did you like the movie? Uh, let's talk right, about the cool. movie for yeah, a second. Yeah, let's talk about the movie. I haven't seen this movie in probably. Five, I haven't seen this movie years. in forever. Yeah. So this is my, my first it? this is my first time watching oh. it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you said you haven't seen this movie in forever. Yeah, I, I did, but I meant like I've never seen it. The last time I watched it, it was probably it was in film school. It was ten AM, which at the time, I mean college, I was waking up at nine fifty. Yeah, yeah. And I was like I barely made it through it. I was like, Oh, I'm so sleepy. And so it was good to watch it again. I was like kind of excited. This movie's really good. Yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I was really surprised how like I watched it at at work on my lunch break, and I was like, "There's a lot of stuff going on around me," and I was still attentive to it like the whole time. Like it, it didn't like I didn't lose interest in it. I don't know. I just feel I've never watched a silent film before. Yeah, yeah. How'd and you I, guys? How'd you guys do with? I, silent I, I was film? afraid I that I was watch. gonna like be bored to death of it, and even like I watched the rest of it when I got home, and I, uh, I, uh, like same thing. Like I was just I didn't look away from the TV screen the whole time. I think like the music and like just like the visual stuff and everything like that like kind of keeps the, you into it. The visuals of this movie are freaking yeah. crazy. They're it's... they're like they're so low budget and like yeah. crappy to today's standards, but they're but it works. Yeah, like, yeah. Back well, then. at the time, you know, it's almost like like I don't know if I call it low budget at the time, but it definitely wasn't, you know, Hollywood classical production. Even, yeah. ho- I mean, Hollywood's gonna have better sets than these. I feel like it, it just money worked, wise. It worked with the, the the theme of the movie too. Like, like yeah. it kind of everything looked kind of creepy and off and like obscure. It's all canted. Yeah, everything was like yeah, like you know, it's kind of skewed. So that kind of gave us yeah. that like yeah, true. If you like Dutch angles, yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you about that, like the 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 set, the backdrop, the props, whatever you want to call it. Just because I'm not like I I didn't go to no film school. Uh, so I don't know the proper terms of it. No, no, sure. go ahead. Um, what what would you call that type of backdrop? Because we can make a silent film now. Yeah. You know, like no problem. And just whatever. We can have big sets and we can have big budgets and shit like that. <coughs> but that's not going to capture the feel that this has. And that has a lot to do with the backdrop. That has a lot to do with the set, the props, and the design of it. Is that just expressionism as art being used as the background or does that have its own term and, and phrase in film? Like, is it referred to something, a particular style uh, when you're talking about film or is it just referred to as expressionism? So that type of like production design or set design, is it a yeah. particular style? Yeah. I'd say it, um, it's almost cued from uh, the lighting uh, because of the way that they lit it. Some of the, the, the sets are actually shadows that are painted, so they're not real shadows. Um, and it's it's actually kind of difficult to tell this. Yeah. And I only know this because I was like forced to to look for it, and then I I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But like some of the lighting where they make it look very shadowy and very dark, it's not actually a shadow. It's they just painted a shadow on the set. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of the set is cued from the lighting, and it's charoscuro lighting, which we've okay. mentioned before. Yeah. Google it. I don't want to go over that term because I don't really like it, but you see it in film noir. You see it heavily in German expressionism. Uh-huh. And I also think the set, the production designer and the set designer on this was a, an artist, a literal artist. And the writer, one of the writers was a, a poet. So you're, they're using real German artists to yeah. craft a movie. So you're Shit, getting the dude. lifeline of German art. 
That's fucking in, crazy. In a a uh, medium, and I can't remember who quotes it. It could be the writer of that Caligari to Hitler article. I think his mm. name's last name's Krakauer, which is a sweet That's name. A fucking sweet. Sounds name, like a yeah. dinosaur. Krakauer. Yeah, but he says something like, um, you know, uh, the the film medium is uh, is the best way to exhibit German expressionism. Because you get not only the visual set, but then you also get like the hard expressions and, and intimacy of the characters yeah. that just enhance the the art the art of the time. So it's really cool to see that they used actual artists and, and that that's, you know, part of 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 what makes film so great is that it's visual and it's yeah. moving, you know. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was fucking awesome that like what Evan's saying here, I, I'm like, oh, it's a silent film. You know, I, I can't really recall watching too many silent films. I remember watching, you know, films in the past that weren't silent, but very, very, um, where the dialogue was very scarce. Yeah. You know, uh, like, for example, uh, Rashomon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember while I was Kur- watching Kurosawa, it. Kurosawa, yeah. which is a fun name to say. Yeah. While I was watching... Uh, Rashomon, I was just like, oh, God, this is kind of like boring. And then it wasn't until you get like, oh, here's my side of the story here. And that's like, oh shit. The story's interesting. You know, and yep. then, like I, I, I liked it by the end of the movie, but during, I, I, I remember being, so I was kind of worried that it would be one of those things where I'd be bored and not really paying attention, but yeah, it, it something about it's captivating, like visually, mm-hmm. Even though you know you just have to read the title cards, you know to get the the dialogue and some of that, but so much of the story is told without the you know the dialogue you know being spelled out for you literally um, for a silent film, you know in that there's no dialogue or sound effects or anything like that. So much of the story is told through sound with the music. Yeah, you know, I I could even go as far as to say it. Even if we didn't have any of the subtitles or the title or the, the you know the words, you'd know what's going on. We could, yeah, you could figure it out. Which is which is a brilliant point, right? Um, oh, you guys are bringing up so many good things. Yeah. We're not even talking about the movie, but what this movie stands for, which is great. Um, well, I mean, like if, if we're going to talk about the movie, the movie's <laughs> you know we, we have a, yeah. a guy. He has a, a person under his employee, let's say, you know, and then he has him kill people. There's there's the plot of the story, yep. you know. There's a twist there, which we can talk about at some point. But I, really, it's it's the meaning of y- it. Yeah. So uh, you guys hit on a lot of points. I, I'm gonna forget about yeah. them, and I'll come back to them. But um, first, you were talking about uh, how silent this uh, the movie kept your attention, right? Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the silent movie makes me work harder. Yes. Yeah. As a viewer. Because I'm not like just relying on dialogue to to explain the story to me. It's not exposition, right? right? I, well, because you could watch things or quote unquote watch things mm-hmm. and like do other stuff, but you're listening still I, to the dialogue that's going you get on. A lot of there's this um, there's this thing. It was just like a little video that was funny on the internet or whatever recently. It was called uh, hashtag at uh, hashtag at the gym. And um, they're making fun of millennials and saying like, oh, the f- first gym for like the millennial. And it's got like USB ports everywhere and like <laughs> this and that and like free Wi-Fi. And then like someone's like, it's got free Wi-Fi. So and it, it's like close up on this guy sitting on this like bench, like 
on his laptop, like pulling up a movie. It's like it's it's got free Wi-Fi, so I can find so I can easily stream the the perfect movie to watch TV to. And then he's like, you see him like watching TV like in the background, but he just has the movie on. Right. I'm like that just fucking sums it up because it's multitask. Like, well, it, quote unquote multitask. Yeah, right. You just run two things at the same fucking time. But I see it all the time. You know, in public, at work, with my friends, someone will be like, oh, yeah, let's watch this. They turn it on, and then their eyes are glued to their phone or whatever else it is for 10 minutes without even looking at the screen. So the fact that it makes you work harder like that, you know, that's that's fucking rad. Yeah, and this is, I mean, silent movies are an excellent argument for um, why a lot of film snobs will tell people that voiceover is cheap. Right, and you, uh, I don't know if you guys hear this, but I I, I hear oh, yeah. that a lot. People are like, that. "Oh yeah, voiceover is cheap, right?" A lot of people are like, "Oh," and it's like, "Why?" And people who take a film class are like, "Uh, I don't know," because it is. They say it is. Well, really, this is why, right? Because if you watch a silent film, you have to glean from the movie what's happening, what the story is. Nowadays, there's so much voiceover that they just explain it to you in voiceovers, and you don't actually have to watch the movie. So that's why when you see a movie without voiceover something like the godfather which i recently watched i'm going to use it as an example there's no voiceover in the godfather at all but it's a very complex story and that means that it's kind of good filmmaking because you have to pay attention to get what's going on they're not they're not really watering it down to the public which is what i consider you know clever there's there's this uh kurosawa film i think it's kurosawa um called only only the bad sleep well or something to that effect. Okay. But, um, you know, have you heard of uh, this guy, Tony Zhao? He does He's a martial artist. No, no, he, he does uh, a, like a little thing of fi- Tony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. Um, <laughs> yeah. Come on, dude. Anyways, um, it's the same name. <laughs> there's this, there's this film series, um, that he kind of does like on YouTube or Vimeo or some shit like that. And it's called every frame of painting. And he breaks down, um, he's an editor, a professional editor, and he breaks down different films, different techniques in film, different styles in film when it comes to like directors or um, writers, actors, whatever the case is. And he was talking about, um, he was talking about this film and just how there's so little said in it. Um, I don't even think there's much said in the scene in in this movie. But he breaks it down to just geometry and how, you know, the the filmmaker uses blocking and just positioning and how and even irises, right? Which is like where, you know, it's just black and you only have a circle cut out of the character and it's black around. Uses that in multiple ways. Then there's a diamond iris, which I think iris yeah. means circle, but I don't know what the term would be for a diamond. Yeah. But an iris on multiple different shots to get you just a bit of it, of your yeah. focus. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome because I, I see that. I, I watched that video the other day, and you should check it out. Um, but I watched that video the other day, and I, I saw a lot of those concepts applying here to this film, you know, as people not saying anything. They're just walking around doing stuff, and your eyes are constantly working to see each character telling their own part of the story without saying a word. Right. You know. And, and that brings up another point that I want to talk about um, is acting. Acting in a silent film to yeah. me has to be fifty times harder than right. actually having dialogue. It's almost like, um, like pantomiming. Yeah, it's like, like you have to be so over embellished about every movement that, like, to to like get a po- across like the point you're trying to make. 
Yeah, it's like being in a stage play without being able to say any of your lines. Yeah. It's it's got to be incredibly <laughs> difficult, and then and then cinema like it's it's still close ups even at this time. There's a lot of close ups, yeah. so you have to control your face just like people do nowadays in cinema. And so I, I just really uh, I just I, I I didn't really study this. I just gained this unknowingly. I gained this personal like affection for actors of the silent era because I was like, God, you had it rough. And we I watched another German movie called The Last Laugh, and um, the guy that he's this big jolly old Santa Claus looking dude. Who plays like a, a hotel like like a bellhop type of guy, and loses his job and whatnot, and it's very sad. But the guy does the most amazing job just with his facial expressions. Yeah. And I was like, I don't need title cards. You just watch a guy's face, and you're like, I know what's going on. Yeah, it's really cool. It, it's it's fucking awesome. Just because I was thinking that too. You see, and sometimes it is over embellished. Sometimes it is a little over the top. No, but I think that's it needs that. Though, yeah, it, exactly. To get the point across. It, it does because that's how you get the intensity across. Because you can't say like I'm fucking pissed off that you blah 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 and yell it and people are oh he's really angry because he cussed and he did this, you know. You have to get that point across with just your eyes, you know, with with just you know opening your mouth or whatever it is without making any sound. Yeah. So, another thing that you guys mentioned, which I find interesting, and this was actually going to be my little little tidbit. For the uh, is this your scene dissection? Yes. Or does it tie into your scene Kill, dissection? My, my, can we name this segment killer, we, killer dissection? Killer dissection. Yeah. All right. This cool. is my killer dissection. Killer and dissection. You guys mentioned on the sound, and I want to explain uh, sound before 1930 when sound actually yeah. came into movies. Yeah. So you guys both like the score to this, yeah? Um, which is interesting to me because you guys watch it on different places, YouTube and yeah. Netflix. Netflix, and I would be interested to. Watch them both and see if it's the same score. Yeah, because I started watching one and it was the German one, yep. and with with no English title card, so I, I was just like, I, I can't read this. And it was only the first scene in the movie, so I didn't know that really. I probably could have watched it without, but um, this this the score was completely different than the English subtitled one. So, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. And this is because at the time when you went to see a silent movie. In a movie theater, the two things could happen. And they have somebody play live usually. Right, right, exactly. So in a bigger theater that's a little nicer in cities, uh, where it's like dedicated, like uh, a lot of downtown LA or, or New York theaters that are now concert venues, where it's just one one stage with a, a movie uh, theater, they would have a live orchestra, and yeah. the live orchestra sometimes, <coughs> if if you know the production went to it, would have a recommended score. But a lot of times they played whatever they wanted. Wow. So you could go to different theaters and yeah. hear different scores. Ah, oh, that's awesome. And then additionally, if you went to, instead of going to a big theater, if you wanted to save um, a buck or at the time, like a couple nickels, you could go to storefront theaters, which was really popular in San Francisco and um, later in New York, uh, which is someone would sell whatever their goods or services was up front. And in the back, they'd open up a movie theater. And yeah. they charge people a nickel. It started with Nickelodeons, and then okay. it went to like storefront theaters. There would be no score. There'd be no music. So wow. you sit there, and a lot of times it was like folding chairs. Yeah. And they'd have a movie on a constant loop. You pay your like Nickelodeons. You pay a nickel. Yeah. By the time they did it with movies, it was a little more. But you'd go in, and there'd be no score. So all you get is title cards. Wow. Because they they couldn't afford an orchestra and that type of thing, right? You could yeah. see movies on yeah. the cheap. So it's it's interesting because this movie has no dedicated score. Hmm. That's interesting. A lot of silent films didn't. They'll have recommended ones, and 
later with bigger Hollywood productions, they might actually write a score. But it's yeah. very rare before 1929. That's crazy. So that's my little tidbit about how sound used to work. And then it actually didn't become a huge thing until the 30s when they started recording sound. And they did it in a very dumb way where they would record it separately, the audio separately from the video. Yeah, yeah. Because they recorded on 45-inch records, essentially. Vitaphones. Wow. That's fucking crazy, dude. You're so smart. Look at (laughs) him over there just being smart. Look at him. I spent years reading about this. For no reason. <laughs> well, for this reason, this is your destiny. Mm-hmm. Re- mm-hmm. Realize that and hang your head yes. in sadness. Yes. Um, we, you talked about it kind of. Um, we talked about the artists, the real German artists, like the poets and the musicians and the. Germ- you know, Germany would go on in the late 20s, by the way, to, to have, I think they call it the German Symphony era. The last couple of years of Germany before Hitler takes over and makes Nazi propaganda films. Yeah, it, um, Germany goes crazy with um, movies about the German orchestra. Yeah, which they would write obviously a score for, and they'd have a ton of these like, and then a ton of German movies were being scored by the German symphony. So that That's that was crazy. really interesting. That was kind of a shift in the artistry. Yeah, what what really kind of stood out to me is how it felt, and maybe it was because of the set design. But it felt like I was watching a live performance rather than, you know, like, okay, well, here's take 20 on yeah. the same thing or whatever. So kind of like the, because of the set, it reminds you of like a, like a play or like a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, it's like it's all paper and cardboard. So, yeah. What's cool about that, though, is it's very clearly cardboard when uh, when they're uh, running up the hill. Or yeah. It's, yeah. And it's bending. Yeah. yeah, yeah or yeah, when yeah. Caesar goes to. Uh, to uh, kidnap, I think it's Jane is the yeah. main girl, yeah. and he just takes apart the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm taking this out. Uh, this is, I was reading that it, it only cost them eight hundred dollars to make the entire like all the sets for the movie, which at the time was probably about fifteen grand. Yeah, I mean, it, with inflation, and which each, is really cheap still. Each still, actor yeah. only got paid like thirty bucks a day. Dang. Like that's probably about three hundred bucks a. No, three. I don't. I don't know what inflation is. I'm I'll, not ta- an I'll take. I'll take three hundred bucks a day right now. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. I'll take. I'll take that. Um, but that's like that's when I was when I started watching it. Like when because it, it opens up, you know, and he's in like that garden area or whatever. Yeah, that weird old guy. Yeah, and uh, who that old guy? By the way, just looked like he was mentally handicapped. The oh whole time. yeah, he was the freakiest part. Yeah, he was weird. I thought he was like the scary guy. In the he's movie weird looking. Watching. He's re- and what was what's really freaky is Chu is wearing his hat right now. Yeah. Yep. There, there it is. Yeah. The hat. You guys can't see it, but but it's there. I'm peeing yeah. my pants. <laughs> oh man. And then the first scene that it cuts to like the like the cardboard display or whatever or backdrop was like when he starts talking about the fair, you know. I remember, like the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, like that." That's, I didn't get why they were cutting to that, but then I was like, "It looks kind of cool," and then like it kind of piqued my interest, and I, it just started making me realize, like, throughout the whole movie, like how kind of like artistic the movie is, in not only the set design, but even like the title cards are like all hand oh, done. The coolest title cards yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Rad. And even like the like the the beginning when it was like a scrolling one. Yeah, you can tell that it's just. Paper. Like, yeah. There's like folds yep. in the paper and or, stuff. Or later when uh, Dr. <laughs> Caligari is seeing um, the words flash all over the place yeah, it yeah. says you have yeah. to be Caligari. Like 
Yeah, what what they're really doing is just taking like uh, like that transparent like um, celluloid. Yes, celluloid, and just holding it in front of the camera as they film. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I I got the feeling that well, the one part when he was like going crazy, it was like a banner that they roped across because you could kind of see the the scene cut like where they would take it out in the in the sky maybe. Yeah, that's but the one I'm talking about. But the one on the wall is is you could tell that they're holding something oh, there because it okay. flutters like kind of left and and right and back and yeah. forth and then up and down and it's going all which ways. So if you have a banner that does that, I. It's pretty cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this I'm, was windy. It I'm just been talking really about the windy. one that was up in the sky. Yeah, up in the sky. The first couple ones yeah. were up there, and then it was like on the side of the wall, and then it was on the ground. But at least some of the special effects, the way they would do it, would say would do it on a transparent, like yeah. polyurethane or no, sorry, nitrate at the time, and hold it in front of the lens as they filmed. Yeah, just like you have overheads in school where yeah. like teachers write notes. Yeah. Same exact thing. Dude, I just I, I think it's like like I. To me, it was just I was more kind of blown away at the how much they put into the movie. Like, like you're saying earlier, like Hollywood ones were kind of just boring and whatever. Like, where this like it was like a theatric, like all the like the the makeup they wore and like yeah. just crazy the, amounts of Caesar over the top. Is this, is that how you pronounce the name Caesar? Caesar, yeah. Caesar. Um, like just like the the makeup that they put on to make them look kind of ghoulish or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. Caligari's makeup, just making him look like an awful human being. With the, which he was, with the, with the feeling of kind of watching a live performance in a play, uh, that lends to making you work harder. Um, there's this actually this documentary called Once in a Lifetime, you know, on Netflix, <laughs> and it's actually about uh, sports. It's about soccer. It's about the North American Soccer League uh, back in like the 70s and the 80s and shit like that. And um, in in the first uh, act of that documentary, they're they're talking about you know theorizing well why didn't it succeed here in the states why did it collapse and why is soccer so successful everywhere else and the one person kind of like summed it up I think in a way that makes sense they say with soccer you know it goes for forty five minutes and then you get an intermission and then you get another forty five minutes that's like a ballet. That's like a play or something like that where other sports, other American sports, let's say like basketball or football, you have a short burst of action and then like set up or like, you know, you know, the game resets and it comes back and you have or commercials, it's commercials, yeah, you have commercials and stuff like that. And that is a lot like TVs, you know, like, like TV shows here in the States. Yeah. So the way this translates is. You know, you have to invest time. You have to sit down and say, I'm going to pay attention to this thing for 45 minutes and then I get a break and then 45. And that's kind of what you're talking about here. Instead of being like with the voiceover, with narrative, just coming in and saying, oh, I could just listen to it without paying attention to it. I'll listen for key words and then tune in. You have to sit down and pay attention to the entire film to get, you know, the full effect of it. And I think that's that's pretty awesome. That makes you work harder for it. And it makes it a more rewarding experience, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But um, the movie itself, though, there's I thought... Got, there's got to be one burning question yes. that somebody has, right? What's that? How did Caesar die? How did Caesar die? He just fucking died. Did you guys Did you guys think that? Yeah. Wait. Caesar, remember when he was just like... He, um, he kidnaps Jane. Yeah, he kidnaps Jane. He runs off with her. He drops her, and then he continues running. He keeps running. running, and then he just stops and fucking dies. And then they wheel him in later to Caligari's office, and Caligari cries. Is he dead, though? Yeah. 
What about the whole end of the movie, though? Well, well he he dies within the story that uh, Fran- Francis is telling. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. He's dead. And the way he dies is up for debate. Yeah. Heart but attack? I think I think a lot of people say he died because he... they, they Broken heart. <laughs> I was going to no, say well, No, exactly. So the, the logistical reason is people say he runs himself to death because he's running yeah. away from his pursuers. So exhaustion. He, he runs up a mountain. Obviously, it's not... Yeah. To us, it's not a very good-looking mountain. But he runs up a mountain, right, and he's running, and you actually see the sun starting to come up. Yeah. So he runs through the night and runs himself through to exhaustion and kills himself. Okay. But then also you could argue that he dies of a broken heart because obviously he had no problem killing anybody until he got to Jane, right? Oh, and then he tried he to kidnap her. her right? And then he, he couldn't have her. her, so maybe he died of a broken heart. Why couldn't he have her? Uh, because he was being pursued by oh, a bunch oh, of men. Are you okay? Because he he's a fucking ground, monster. Right? And then <coughs> the, th- the third, which is kind of tied into the he loved her, is... Yeah. The idea that if he's a, uh, I don't know what what's the word that they use some somnambulist somnambulant, which just means sleepwalker. Yeah, um, which they kind of explain at the end when they're reading the book. Uh, they find the book that Doctor Caligari has yeah, hidden yeah. in his office, and they're reading it. Is that sleepwalkers will do things without knowing it? Yeah. So then you could maybe make a case for an argument that he was killing these people as a sleepwalker. Yeah, didn't even realize it. But when he came came to kill Jane, he woke yeah, up in he the middle woke of it, up. Oh, shit. realized it, and died of terror for what he. How done. fucked up, dude! How fucked up would that be? Like, think about that. What if, what if you were like, whatever? Like, you, you, what if you kept fucking waking up in the morning, being like, God, like my feet, my legs are hurt. Like, I feel like I've been like running like miles <laughs> up, but a, like, up a mountain yeah i feel like i've been running up a mountain and, and i and i haven't i've just been asleep i don't get it and then one day you fucking or one night you fucking wake up and like you're in the darkness in like a building that's not the one that you like went to sleep in you're, yeah. you're you're out there in the fucking forest and you're like what the fuck and you're like rubbing your eyes and you feel that like there's something wet on your face and you look and there's like blood on your hands and you look down and you just see a like, fucking dead body you just wrote a horror how fu- movie. How fucked up would that yeah. be? Yeah, people who sleepwalk suck. <laughs> my my, uh, <laughs> they should just be strapped down every night. <laughs> my mom used to sleepwalk when she was a little girl. If if my wife or any, when I have kids, if any of my kids sleepwalk, no. Dude, have you have you like watched <laughs> you shit on like off? sleepwalkers? Yeah. What have you like watched stuff on like sleepwalkers? Well, we've all watched this movie a bit, but like it 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 freaks me out. Even if like it's not like. They, they're not doing bad stuff. I mean, even like watching like something funny like Step Brothers. Remember when they sleepwalk? Yeah. That? Like if I woke up to my freaking kids screaming in the yeah. in the kitchen, like putting stuff in the oven, I would go. That would scare the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, my girlfriend had a roommate. The oh, first shit. night that they moved in oh, to like fuck. this apart, this two bedroom apartment together. Yeah. I stayed over. We didn't even have a bed for her yet. We slept yeah. on the ground. Okay. And her roommate, I guess, was a sleepwalker and did not tell her. Ooh. First night, middle of the night, he just walks straight into her room oh, wearing shit. nothing but his underwear. Okay. And, oh, and I pop up because I'm a light sleeper. And I'm like, hey, bro, yeah. what the F are you doing? Yeah. And he doesn't 
He's like asleep. He doesn't know what he's doing. Shit. And he's just walking around and, and saying like incoherent words. And I almost had to punch him in the face to get him out of there. I was like, yeah. get out of here. Get out. Get. <laughs> get it was bad. And it came to me like push, like pushing him a little bit. And then he's like, oh, oh. And then he wandered into the bathroom and I was like, locking that door. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, dude. No, I, I've seen like shit like, okay, there's sleepwalkers, right? They just kind of get up and like kind of stumble around or whatever. And then there's the people that like do shit like, Oh, I'm just going to put random shit in the fridge. Like, like yeah. in, sli- in step brothers. But then there's like people like straight up documented cases, like medical studies where people have like driven somewhere while fucking asleep. Like they've gotten yeah. up, gotten out of bed, gotten in the car, opened the garage and like left. And then they'll like wake up and they're like, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, 20 miles from home and they're like already, and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I've heard, you know? I've heard people cook too a lot. Yeah. They, they get up and they're hungry yeah. and they cook and they're asleep, which is really scary to me. Yeah, you burn the fucking house down. Yeah. Like cut your fingers off with a blender. Or make something terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Worst like, fear. Don't serve me that. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. You can't, don't act like you can cook. Fucking sleep, sleeping ass motherfucker. You might be putting Fruit Loops in your lasagna. Don't do that. Next, next thing you fucking know. Next thing you're gonna tell me, you're putting vegetables on meat. How fucking dare you? <laughs> Disgusting. Um, dude. Okay, so yeah, Caesar. First of all, I, he's pretty freaky looking dude. He just looks like a like a ghoul. Is he Javier Bardem from No Country for Old Men? He, he looks like yeah. Javier yeah. Bardem mixed with yeah. Danzig from like the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Danzig and Javier get together. They have a baby. Oh my god! It's Caesar. He's born eighty years before them. <laughs> before I'm not gonna lie. I like before I knew what that word was. The yeah, the, sonambulant. Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, I I was so confused when Dr. Caligari was doing his like little spiel at the fair, you know, and he just had like that shitty like painting of him. I was like, what is he trying to sell? <laughs> like, I didn't understand what he was like, trying to promote or anything. And then <laughs> this it, poster I made was really cool. Look at it. Expressionism. And then once he gets people in and explains what it is, yeah. I'm like, oh. It's a dude. Yep. All right. Yeah. Cool. A lot of people Hold try on. to argue that he's a zombie, which is bullshit. It's, he's clearly not a zombie. No. Yeah. Can I, can I address yeah, something real quick? Absolutely. I feel. How do you, you feel? feel? And if anybody argues with me on this, I will punch you in the mouth. I feel that they 100% got the idea of how the penguin from Batman Returns looks from yes. Dr. Cal- Caligari. Yes. Yes. I was thinking of that. Like, as soon oh, as I saw him, yeah. I was he's like, wearing the same glasses. He's wearing everything the same. Everything. Top hat. The coat. The it's top Danny hat. DeVito. He's got like that, oh, those weird man. sores on his face. Yeah. I mean, it looks all... I made a well, no, mind I, blown. Mind. I, I was actually gonna blown. fucking bring it up. I'm like, I'm watching I wanna, this. I want to look it up to see if Tim Burton yeah. got like ideas from for him for that. You I'm, I'm watching. I'm you know watching cra- this, and I was just like, okay, so obviously Tim Burton is very influenced by this like type of film. You know, apparently German expressionism and you know that sort of shit. But it, it's undeniable to me. Like you look at it, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is this translates to the scene in Nightmare. This is fucking the penguin, you, you know. You know what's crazy? What's crazy? There's another movie. Oh. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's German or Swedish. Could be Swedish. Don't quote me on it. Uh-huh. It's called The Man Who Laughs. Okay. And it is actually what the character the Joker is based off of. Really? It's a silent film from the 20s. Really? Yep. The Man Who Laughs? Yeah, The Man Who Laughs. Wait, when you say it's it's 
who the character of the Joker is based on. You Just mean, look. Like from Tim Burton's Batman or overall in terms it's of like how from the, the comics? It's how the overall character looks. Okay. So it might ruin the Tim Burton theory, but it's like the like the, the big grin with the, the painted lips. Like well, is that where like they came up with the character of the Joker from was from this? The look of the character. Dude. But okay. see, here's the thing. I'm actually, I kind of I kind of think I've heard that too. Yeah. Something like that. Like I don't know. I didn't know that was the name of the movie, but I've heard something it, where they If you just look up the title, like yeah. uh like, like the poster for the movie and you can tell you're like, "Oh, this is where they got the idea for but the look of the Joker." Here's the thing. You're saying, "Oh, that might ruin the Tim Burton theory," but really no cuz he would have looked at the comic book, which was influenced by that. Therefore, well, yeah. he was influenced by the man who laughs. Oh, yeah. Just to go back to your point, Evan, about how much it costs, $30 a day for the actors, right? You know what? You bring up a good point. That could be very little, even with inflation, because if we're talking German money, like Deutschmarks, I think, at the time, or maybe something else. Oh, that's the fucking Joker. Evan just pulled that's up the, the, the fucking photo Joker. of the man who No, has. like, if, if I'm looking at this and you didn't tell me, like, what it was, I would have said, like, that's some fucked up concept art for the Joker for, like, yep. a new movie. Yeah. Like, Go go back to it real quick for me. Okay. So if I'm looking at that, like right now, and you're telling me you, you, you haven't told me like this movie or anything like that, my guess would have been like, probably not because the, the picture looks old, but in terms of like the build and stuff like that, I'd be like, is that how they're going to do the Joker and Suicide Squad? Is that what like Jared Leto is going to be? Because that looks terrifying. <laughs> like what the fuck dude oh shit i don't need to see this so uh viewers at home to follow along google the man who laughs yes have a look see oh it's and then maybe terrifying. we'll learn that a lot of uh comic book characters are are based off of german expressionism art oh, fuck, maybe dude. that's so rad that's the- like terrifying dude i can't wait to show ian that to uh, get back to the, the, yes. the currency thing. Currency. If we're talking Money. 30 Deutschmarks a day, that's nothing. Because at the time, German money was no good. Because for World War One, Germany just started yeah. printing money okay. to fund themselves. So I think it was something like uh, like 50,000 Deutschmarks per dollar. Holy shit. So I wonder if it's like 30 Deutschmarks Are a day. Are you serious? Yeah, I wonder. I, I, I 50, wonder what $800 is. 50,000 yeah. Deutschmark. It's like fifty thousand or fifteen thousand per dollar. Yeah, because, even fifteen thousand. Because Germany's was a dumb dumb, and they're just like, we're gonna print a bunch of money and then use that money to to fund our war. But it's like, well, you're just devaluing your money. Then. Oh my god. Yeah, that's it's, it's not Deutschmarks. It's whatever was before that. Before that, I think F- francs. And then no, they that, ended that's... up. No, it's some. It's a weird word. And okay. then and then they end up with Deutschmarks to recover. All right, but I just wanted to say, Evan, that you're probably right, and excuse me for talking about inflation. <laughs> there's, a, there's a political platform as well as a, yes, an artistic platform that we yep. have here. Um, but story back wi- to the yeah, back, yeah. To, back to the story. Now, like story wise, though, like what what do you think? I thought it was a pretty interesting thing, and it actually, I mean, I'm not like looking at it, being like, holy shit, that's scary. You you know what I mean? Um, but it's intriguing. It's off-putting. It's 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 unsettling. A lot of the visual, you know, cues that we're talking about, you know, with um, the choice of what to highlight, what to not highlight, um, the makeup, you know, the way the actors and actresses carry themselves. Um, but it does play with a theme that fucks with me a lot more in recent years, and that's insanity. 
you know, and not knowing that you're fucking insane. Cause like what Evan was saying when we're talking about Caesar dying, you know, he's like, well, what about the last scene? And that's where you see Francis, you know, and he's like, oh, there's Caesar. Don't, don't fucking ask him your fortune. Cause you're going to fucking, you, 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 you'll be a dead one. And then out of nowhere, like everyone's like, no, you're, you're the crazy one. Yeah. And they strap him down. It just basically ruins the entire Shutter Island book. Like, yeah. haha, Shutter Island, this was done 40, 60 years earlier. <laughs> basically. But, um, yeah, dude, that, that really messed with me. Because the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, it seemed pretty straightforward. Yeah. You know, and... It gets very complex. It really, at the end, there's that twist. Because even when they switch to where he's, like, telling that dude, he's like, there's Caesar, it kind of just feels like... <laughs> He took that dude back to the place, to the to the asylum, and is just showing him their Caesar, and then you're never going to see Caligari again. He's locked away. Like, he was never seen or yeah. heard from again, and then you see him walk down. So I'm like, oh, shit. So did Caligari is like, oh, I'm better now. Like, yeah. let me out on parole. Let me out onto the yard. Who I can th- prove. Who was that crazy bearded guy that I was shouting he was. I <laughs> think he was, was just a crazy dude. Just a crazy bearded that, oh. dude. I felt yeah. like he was like some someone in power. No, I think they just showed him a bunch well, of times because he looked scary. Well, he he was kind of dressed. I felt like uh, like a priest, oh. kind of right. Are, are we so are we to believe that on. when he was in that that garden talking to that guy that he that's just like a the the insanity common grounds. <laughs> I, th- yes. I think so. Yeah. yeah, and that's why when when the, in the beginning when the mm-hmm. his quote unquote fiance walks by, yeah. he's like, oh, there's my fiance. Yeah, she's, right. She's that gone could, crazy because of the incident. Because of Caesar and what happened right. well, to Caesar, yeah. But is that all tr- true, though, if we are to believe that well, Francis is yeah, yeah. What he, crazy? I think what Evan's onto it is the point is that none of that, he's, that's not actually his girlfriend. That None of yeah. that happened, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's, just, a, he's just creating that in his mind. In uh, his mind, yeah. that's, yeah, yeah. Right? And then well, she Calgary. has that, that line where he's like, will you finally marry me or whatever? Even then, you're still kind of like, okay. Francis has got it together. He's sad because the love of his life is like, you know, crazy. He's like, will you finally marry me? And she was just like, us queens may not like, you know, submit to our affairs of our heart or whatever. And you're like, oh, that's sad. She's crazy. And then you realize, oh, wait, he's fucking crazy, too. Yes. And then they Uh, they introduce Caligari, right? And Caligari, what's interesting to me is that in the scene, they kind of leave open because Caligari is like, Oh, I finally get it. He thinks that I'm that mystic Caligari. I know the cure for I him. I know how to cure him. And then yeah. there's a little like he doesn't do like a very like obvious yes. wry look, but they're you know, they kind of focus in on his eyes. Is what he's gonna do with them make him the new Caesar? Oh, Is fuck. it not actually in that guy's head and Caligari <laughs> drove him insane? Oh shit. And then like he fucking you don't, fooled them all and Right. Oh my god! Because here's not the thing completely too. In, clear. in 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 the fucking flashback or, or or the dream sequence or or the story, whatever you want to call it, where they're actually um, reading Caligari's diary, and then he says like they finally brought in a somnambulant, you know, and then it flashes back to that moment where they're bringing Caesar into doc- into Doctor Caligari's office for the first time, right? It's all the same doctors that are with Francis reading the diary, being surprised by it. So did they always know who Caligari was and are just like when they capture him, they're like, oh, you're getting locked up, quote unquote. And then 
fucking Francis is driven crazy, and they're like, "No, it's all right, Caligari. We know, we, we know you. Right. We're, we're good." Are they, are and they, they in on it? Are they in on it? And do is they Caligari let him... really Caligari? Well, I think that those 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 are like flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying is, did did that actually happen? And Francis was driven mad by this whole ordeal and those doctors were in on it and let Caligari free, letting him become the director again, which allowed him to admit and control Francis, putting him in the position in the end where he's like, I know how to cure him. Or was all of that part of Francis's psychosis? I think it's the latter of what you're saying. Part, part of just him I think being it's crazy. just like, as he's reading it, that's like, it's the movie's way of displaying what he's reading. Yeah, I think that's all it was. That that's what I, I thought know. first, but yeah, looking. I at think it, you could. Do, I think you could argue both ways. And that's what's fucking awesome about this yeah. movie. Yeah, and it, it plays on the theme of like authority too, right? Because if we also think about how it's historically relevant, right? Where yeah, where uh, socialism is trying to be implemented and not very not working out very well. There's a theme of authority where, like you said, Francis has to take kind of the law into his own hands and perform his own investigations, yeah. and a th- and then later in the Sane Asylum, there's a big separation between authority and patience. And it's it's kind of also playing on classes because Francis is definitely middle to upper class. Yeah. Whereas Caligari and, and people who are working at the carnival are lower class. They you know, they with the crappy sets, yeah, clothing and whatnot, and Francis dressed very nicely, lives in a nice place. So you have this theme of kind of government and authority and upper class and like like the class distinctions and this idea of, you know, is authority wrong and, and imprisoning people or is yeah. authority right and order is good. You know, what's interesting about that and where you're talking about the class separation as well is even in the asylum at the end where that bearded dude who's like, like you said, he thought he was some like important guy. It, is he one of those? He, he definitely gives off that, presence like visually like this is an authoritative man of some sort you know but really he's just in the loony bin with everyone else and francis he tries to take the law into his own hands during the course of the story whether it was in his head or in reality and look where he ends up with everyone else you know in the asylum where he's telling his story to that guy and he's taking him around. He's like, oh, this is my fiance. Like, this is, you know, Caesar. Like, don't talk to him. And there's Caligari. He's the crazy one. He's taking this guy through like a, like a guide on a tour. And a guide is someone that you follow. Some, some, some level of authority. Because an authority in that environment. Right. So he's kind of posing as some sort of figure of authority to this mm-hmm. guy. But it turns out he's just like everyone else. And even though he's at that fair with everyone else that's kind of shoddily dressed and all that sort of stuff. And like you said, he's all nice. He's at the same place that everyone else is. So is it the... What I want to say. It, the, is there uh, a class distinction or is there not? Is there right? a class distinction or is it all an illusion? Right. You know, is the fact that like, oh, like you, you're this class and that puts you above other people or is it, well, you're still not here. So technically you're just part of them. Right. And it kind of reverses on you because the straightforward story of just Caesar killing people 
is kind of in the face of authority, right? Like, oh, yeah. like Caligari gets one over on on all the cops or the doctor, yeah. whoever's investigating. Like, oh, he's got a dummy, faked him out, he got away with it. Ha ha, authority's dumb. But then it, it reverses it, right? A complete yeah. reversal of theme at the end where it's like, actually, authority is controlling it all and everybody else is crazy. Yeah, and, and like when you think you've gotten away with it and you're comfortable and, and like, a clear oh, division like, I have class. control, you yeah. really don't. Yeah, you know, so that's really interesting. I didn't pick up on that subtext watching the movie, but talking about it, it's because like, that's what was happening in history at the time. Shit, dude, that's awesome. What about the dude who they caught and put in prison? Yeah, the um, oh, oh, yeah, this yeah. is brilliant. I didn't even realize it. Jane's what, dad, right? What about that's essentially the theory was of that uh, it was supposed to be her dad. I think so because she said her dad hadn't come home. I think I, I no, her, was, her, her dad was the. Uh, the other guy they were calling Doctor, who was investigating Caligari. Oh, okay. The guy, the guy that they put in prison, is a copycat killer. Oh. And he's just trying to get away with a murder while the opportunity strikes up, right? Because he says, uh, "Oh, I don't know about those first two murders. Actually, yeah, I was killed. just trying to kill the old woman and make it look like him." Ah. So okay. it's like he had a beef. Gotcha. And he I was, was like, just "Whoa!" Using opportunity a, to strike. Yeah, I wonder if this is one of the uh, first kind of remnants of like copycat killers. It was Dude. like it was like a couple of years before the Black Dahlia murders, right? And I was like, "Oh, dang!" Well, also he was ahead of the curve as from, a murderer. From the <laughs> he gives you know whoever did that fucking shit. It's like oh, I saw this thing in this movie one time. I'm yeah. gonna try it. <laughs> um, no, dude. What, what's interesting, though, if we look at that, though, where you say he's got this beef and he's kind of using the smoke from the other murders to right. commit it, like that can also be like. A pretty political thing like the oh well this thing's going on that's the reason why well that you know scapegoat? Is, yeah that scapegoat you have that or like well there's this whole you know war going on so it, while this is happening let's fucking do this shit right here that we want to implement you know let's implement this policy let's go ahead and you know attack here let's go ahead and fund this instead because everyone's focused on something else you yeah. know, or you can just call it, well, it's just part of war. Diver- yeah, diversion tactics. We yeah. know that today, right? Dude, this, fucking, this movie is fucking deep. Can we, can we talk about to the first the first time we see Caesar kill? Yeah. It's in the shadows, right? Like he goes to kill uh, Francis's buddy. Yes, Alan. yes, uh, Alan. Yeah. I actually thought that was a creepy kill right? scene, too. It was just shadows, but it looks like he stabs him in the eye. They later yeah. say it's in the side, which is more boring. But when he does it, I'm like, oh, dude, did he just stab that guy in the eye? <laughs> I fucking, I, I wrote it What a wrote shitty way down. to go. Yeah, I wrote it down. You wake up and then you get stabbed in the eye. There was something about that scene that was just really off-putting. Super and I think it's because, I, I could be wrong, but it looked like in the shadows at some point you see, um, like, it looks like a stick or a string on one of the arms or something like that, from Caesar's arm or something like that. So oh, I didn't catch it. it kind of looked almost like it was people casting shadows doing it, but it could have been people playing with puppets in front of like a hmm. light casting that shadow, yeah. which made the movement a little bit more unnatural, which right. makes it like it could fucking be the, weird. Yeah, it could have been the restoration too, because clearly there were a lot of frames it could, missing. It could have right? been that, but there was just a, something about it that was really offsetting or, or off-putting and, and, and unsettling about it to... It, it's almost like if you would have seen him do it, because we see him like, you know, like the, the, we see people get in a fight. We see pe- him try to like murder people, but it, it doesn't have that same effect. 
you know, as when he like does it, it it's somehow believable in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. it looks real good. Yeah. It, what do you guys think happened though with him and Jane? Do you think that he was awestruck by her beauty? That he woke from sleepwalking? That's a tough one, Just dude. Wondering opinions. Because it was kind of a pivotal moment, right? That's yeah. the only, only reason he got caught. If he would have just murdered her and got out of there, everything would have been fine. Shit, dude. That one's a tough one for me to answer, like, straight up. I, I'm going to say... <sighs> and then he just makes her pass out by, like, giving her the old make yourself faint move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I would s- say, yeah. for, for the story's sake, that it was a died of a broken heart. Are you like sticking with the theme there? Yeah. He he was yeah, yeah. struck by her beauty and then died of a broken heart later. Yep. I, I'm gonna say it pans out. I'd love to hear someone argue against it. I would I would say if if we're gonna believe if we're gonna go under um, the assumption that all of that was a dream for Francis or you know it was all a dream, um, fucking you know, and it's just in his head. Then he ran himself to exhaustion and died quote unquote yeah and that's why we see him fine later on um if we're gonna assume that it actually happened then i would say he woke up in the middle of it and you know he ran till he passed out and they eventually hauled him in and because of what he realized he was doing he was crazy you know and that's why he ends up in the loony bin at the end as well so he lived through it and became it's just, I mean, is having it, done that shit and not being, for lack of a better words, a normal person sleeping yeah. for 23 years, essentially. Well, I think that's the biggest flaw in the story. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess it's really just a, a showman trying to get people to come to his booth. Yeah. Right? Dude. I was like, it wasn't necessary. I always wonder, like, if, if, if Francis was in the loony bin the whole time and maybe Caesar, like, maybe Francis had, a, like, a crush on Jane... And Caesar also did, and he was moving in on the girl. Oh, and, I think, and so Francis concocted this whole story yeah. to get people to like be against him. You could oh, be, you could, shit. you could be onto something because I think there's a clue in that last scene where he says, "Don't go near Caesar. Don't let him." Yeah, yeah. Tell your fortune because you, Caesar, you'll be a dead one. Caesar's to He's got. He's uh, like holding a flower. flower, yeah, and he's doing like the do you like like she loves me, she loves me not oh, thing. Shit. He looks so is he a romantic innocent. then? He looks yeah, he yeah. just looks like a like it, it, just, a hopeless romantic. Yeah, so maybe maybe your oh theory is God. is kind of uh, tipped off there. This movie is fucking awesome because for being was it an hour and fifteen minutes? Yeah, and cut. I think. Uh, what's weird if you look at yeah. IMDb, it says it's fifty-five minutes, which must mean that the restoration they put in a bunch of scenes that. Or like was the, I was gonna shown. say the, the title cards were fucking long. Or they find yeah. Or they found they might have found footage too. Yeah, they might have found some more. But oh, found I mean, footage movie. Fucking call it an <laughs> hour long movie for, for yeah. being an hour long movie with no dialogue, with no sound in it, and and it's just it. It seems that it's it goes so fucking deep, and it does. I think what a good film should do, and I think what horror movies should do and that's make you think yeah you know after the fact to where you rather than be like oh man that was scary or oh man that was cool or it was dumb or whatever leave you afterwards thinking about it and processing and analyzing talking with people and talking it out working it out i think that that's for me 
you know the water the the the, the trademark of of a great story which this would have been exhibiting it right a lot of people credit this with the first real horror movie i don't like uh, everyone's really obsessed with firsts but yeah. this is probably the the first prominent horror movie right yeah yeah but there's i was reading that there's like before this and i think you told me this last time too that there's actually a couple of movies before this that deal with like macabre type oh, oh yeah there's definitely some de- demented stuff yeah um, Which, and dark stuff before this, but that's why everyone says first. But I think it's better. I think you're more accurate to say first prominent. See, I would, I would yeah. even say like, like, if this movie was made today, I wouldn't even. I want to consider this a horror movie. I would consider it like a thriller or a drama. Yeah, like because it deals with like. But we're getting into that topic suspense that and like you know getting into that topic of defining a genre again, right? Yeah. And can a movie yeah. be in every genre, multiple genres, one genre? What dictates a genre? Yeah, that's good. We should we should do a whole episode of just trying to lay down horror conventions and what makes a horror movie. Shit, I think we, we could, could do it without watching a movie. We just yeah. take all the movies we have watched and yeah, just dude. pick stuff that we think fucking clip show. <laughs> try to define it. We're like, hey, these are the guidelines. This is what we think makes a, a movie a horror movie. That'd be I think that'd be fun. To do yeah, yeah. Well, dude, I I think I've said all I can say about this movie. I think we've kind of all reached that point where, I mean, I'm going to say it was a great movie. I I loved it. It's definitely a movie that I could probably honestly watch like multiple times and not get like bored of it. Um, I'd, I'd probably try to find a version where the title cards weren't up for so long. You know, they, they stuck up there for a little while. Right. But and if you watch it on Netflix, the subtitling is terrible. Yeah. It's not even. It's not. I mean, because I don't think of the it was that bad. I, it was clearly. If you read the credits, it was translated. The one on Netflix was translated by Spanish people. They were translating Germans to German to English, and they're Spanish, which oh, leads okay. to a little bit of you know, yeah. not, like kind of bad translation. Well, you had like, but I think the timing just, errors and I just didn't like the timing Netflix. I was like looking at the title card yeah. in German. I was like trying to guess what it said, and then the the subtitle would come up. Like, yeah. come on, it's not that hard to do. I actually have a friend that does subtitles for Disney too. Yeah. And she would tell me that, you know, she can sneak in words in subtitles. Like it's so unregulated the way they do them. So, oh, really? Someone probably just half assed this. Oh, shit, dude. Um, My opinion. Yeah. Not proven. Yeah. But I, I, I dug it, dude. I would watch it again. For me, I, I would classify it as a horror movie. I'd classify it as a, a great horror movie, I think. Something that should be watched, even if um, you just watch it the one time. I think when you look at it at face value, it, it just looks like a silent film, you know, done the way silent films are done. But when you really think about the story, when you look at what it means and the parallels to society at that time and that place, I, I think it's undeniable the influence that it has and the clout that it carries. And it ended up in influencing influencing Hollywood a great deal because in 1924, 1925, Hollywood started kind of regulating the way even international movies were made saying like, you know, we recommend you do this, you do this, you do this. So everyone was following that style and all the people who showed that they were good, like uh, Fritz Lang or FW more now in Germany, uh, Hollywood's like, we'll pay you more to come over here and make movies for us. So all the good directors and writers, internationally in france and germany hollywood started poaching them that's the american way my friend we got a bunch of american movies from them evan what did you think uh again i I went into it not thinking that i was gonna be that into it um 
just because of the silent film factor and I don't know. I just I didn't think it was gonna be like scary or anything, but um ended up being really surprised. I, I liked like I, I like I said earlier, like I liked the artistic nature of it. I liked um kind of it wasn't like like I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it wasn't like like gruesome horror. Yeah. It was like it made you like kind of think the whole time and, and like not, not want to be in that position. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I feel like that like for the time it was made, the fact that there was like a like a quote unquote twist at the end was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we didn't even that. talk about that, but it incredible. Yeah. I mean it was a Sorry. solid twist as it was. I didn't see it coming. I mean, I kinda thought I kinda, that I in got the a, beginning. I, I got but a then, feeling but I think it's because of all the movies we've seen. Yeah. Like nowadays that like so many movies have twists that you're like oh this could happen at the end of the movie like you know yeah but I mean it was a solid it was a solid one you're like oh shit all right you did it you know Um, I would definitely like I I don't know if I would watch this movie like over and over like again all the time but I mean I think it'd be worth revisiting here and there but I think um, I think it's fun to talk to people who've seen it yeah that's why you watch this movie yeah to share ideas or like if you're Somebody is newly into horror movies or whatever. And yeah. They're like, dude, check this movie out. Like, or, or someone who doesn't like, they don't watch horror movies because they're too scary or too gory. This is, a, I think, a perfect movie for them. That's a good, that's a good right. call. I wouldn't have thought of that, but I think that's... I notice that a lot when I'm pitching our podcast to people. I'm like, hey, yeah. listen to our podcast. Like, no, I don't like horror movies. I'm like, well, you know, give some of them a chance. Yeah. They should give this one a chance. Yeah. That's that's a really good point, dude. I'm going to start thinking that. This is going to be one of my go-tos yeah. for that sort of stuff. My, I know I know your opinion on it mostly. I mean, influential, but is there anything else you want to say about it in terms yeah. of your opinion? Yeah, I do want to actually change gears and, and plug something here. Yes, absolutely. Uh my closing thought is go out and buy this movie on DVD. Yes. Or, I guess, digital lockers like streaming. Okay. Uh, and that's to support the restoration of it. Because if you watch the, the opening and the closing very closely, they put a lot of money and effort into getting multiple prints from Latin America, from the little that was in German archives. They pulled in French clips. And someone went through this frame by frame, reel by reel to put together a, what, a comprehensive version that we probably take for granted now. And I think it's really important to support that cause by, you know, buying their work and not just streaming it on Netflix because that's really ultimately what I wanted to do in my career. I just ran out of money for yeah. the education. But I think that's important to restore and, and put together like prints so you can get the complete like extra 18 minutes or whatever it is when they fully restored it. I think it's important for um, history. Yeah, dude. So go support it. Good, good call out, man. I got one last thing to say about this, and that's that I'm really fucking bummed that I didn't think of the name Sonambulant for a band or a musical project before yep. anybody else did. Because as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck. I could like hear this in my head just being like this instrumental, heavy, kind of like Pelican or some like weird shit like that, but like throw in a little bit more like weird ambient shit. And I looked it up, and Sonambulant's already a band. And they're pro- I, I haven't heard their music, but I'm gonna assume they suck, just because uh. <laughs> I'm mad. Yep. Yeah, they know, suck. That they took an awesome name. Or, you know what we do, didn't talk about? The story is uh, <laughs> is the story of Frankenstein, by the way. Yeah, I, I just, mean, you, I you just kind of thought that. that. I kept picking that up while yeah. I was watching. I was like, this yeah. reminds me a lot of Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Was this uh, before? No, Frankenstein. The, well, I mean, book, the book, yeah, Mary Shelley book the was book written in been. 18 something or other, 1850. Yeah. Or what read, about when it was uh, translated as a film? The first film to kind of play with that was Nosferatu, 
which mm. I think was a, a year or two after this. Okay, interesting. I was yeah. reading, uh, you might have read this earlier too, but in the little trivia section of IMDb. I didn't read it. Um, the writer Hans Janowitz, 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 which I think was the poet. Um, it says he claims to have gotten the idea uh, for this film when he was at a carnival one day. He saw a strange man lurking in the shadows. The next day he heard that a girl was brutally murdered there. He went to the funeral and saw the same strange man lurking and he had no proof that the strange man was the murderer, but he fleshed this whole idea out. And oh, shit, oh, I hope dude. that's folklore. That's fucking scary. That's terrifying. That's the scariest part of this movie. <laughs> God damn it, dude. <laughs> Nightmare fuel right there. Also, why is he going to that girl's funeral? Yeah, that's kind of fucking weird. trophies and shit. We know that. No, 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 no. Why is, why is the director, why is the writer oh, going? Oh, why is the funeral? writer going? I guess maybe he was just curious and bored. He's maybe back then it was like, oh, somebody in the town died. Let's go to the funeral. Cause I, yeah, I got nothing else to do. It was a small village. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So Hold I, on. Think, I had a, another question. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Um, was this originally black and white? And then they added the like tint oh, color. Yeah, there so, was like sepia tone. No, there was blue. It was, the color is actually is true, but it's not the color that we know of today because you know how they got color into this movie? How? Oh. Painted it frame by frame. Yeah, wow. like on Tron. They did that in Tron. They in the original Tron, all the uh, like the the lights or whatever, like like on the bikes like on the and things like that, and, and the little roads they rode on, was all hand painted every frame. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Yeah, but that's shit. what they that's what they did for this. They pay normally women to sit in a warehouse with a paintbrush and go um, strip by strip and paint it, and that mm. actually attributes to a lot of um, movies that did that. You get a lot of the scratches on the film because of paintbrushes. Mm. Holy shit, dude. You guys I, are just like fucking opening my mind right there now. Is, there is a cool part when they went into Caligari's office when he was asleep, you know? And it was like this like yeah. muted like yellow color. And then like I think one of the guys goes to the, do- to the door like he's turning on a light. Was the like, light oh, all been minted by then? Yeah. I don't, I don't know history. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then yeah. it, like the the like as soon as they did it, like the the color changed a little bit. Like, oh, it was, that's like, rad. Like, nice. like a light turned on. That's awesome, cool. dude. Uh, no titties in this movie. <laughs> Sur- surprisingly, I thought there almost. was kinda, a plethora. Yeah, kind of glad though. No, I'm I'm glad. I'm there was glad. almost Jane titties. Like he he did some grabbing. <laughs> almost there. Jane yeah. titties. Yeah. <laughs> and how her night garments? Yeah. were like her entire bed set. Like yeah. sheets and everything were attached everything. to they it. Were attached. They went on for days. That way, no one can pull them off. Mm-hmm. You know, and have a little real quick pinky. too. You Cold know when she's journey. screaming and getting pulled away by yeah. Cesar. Cesar. Who are those other dudes that are in her house that are probably like her, up? like her dad and like? Oh no, it's not her dad, but it is like an older dude. It must be like her grandpa and so, like. Then there's uh, another dude and a woman, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, it's probably family. Then, well, they they lead like the mob after him, right? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm I'm assuming Some that, sort like, of back then everyone like lived with their extended family, and it was just like everyone's under one roof and shit. So, but yeah. Anyways. Um, with that said, we want to go ahead and set up the next uh, the true, next installment. True, here. by the way, back to back movies, no titties. We're on a that's true. We're on a zero titty streak. We're on a zero zero titty streak, and both movies great, leading to maybe like <laughs> what I I don't know what this is. Like, is this a new what theory? Saying? What are you saying? I don't know. I'm, I'm my my head is exploding because I'm connecting the fact that we have two movies with no titties, and they were both great. And I'm like, wait a minute, titties great, horror great, both together not great? 
Ooh. I don't know. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to we'll see. We'll evaluate it in our horror conventions episode. Yes, exactly. Um, but <laughs> in order to do that, we got to watch some more movies. So, Evan, what's our next movie going to be? Who does it? And et cetera. Oh, hang on. I got to look that up. So I'm ill prepared. We're going to do a movie called I Saw the Devil. And drum roll, guys. It's not our first foreign film, but it's our first Asian horror, horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Asia, Asian horror film, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not, it wasn't suggested by me. It was suggested by Evan. And you would think that I would uh, have suggested it. That's, that was one of the main ways I got You've into never seen horror. It? No, I oh, haven't. Okay. And you but, love Asian horror films. I know. But here's the thing. Like, that was what got me into horror. Like, really? Like, oh, shit. There's some fucked up shit out there. And then I kind of dropped off that, like, train. So this is going to be awesome to revisit, you know, what got me into it. So uh, tell us a little bit about it here, Evan. Um, well, I watched this movie a couple years ago. It's from 2010. And uh, I remember seeing it on Netflix forever. And a couple of my buddies had, like said that they saw it and liked it a lot. And so I didn't really get what it was going to be about just based off of the, you know, the cover. And uh, the cover kind of has like this guy's face and there's like a knife yeah. shape taken out of it. And like behind that, it's like a bloody like other face. And I didn't know if it was actually about the devil or what. And. Ended up watching it and it was awesome. Um, not gonna talk about it, obviously, but um, the director is Kim Ji Woon. I don't know. Uh, what, let me see what else he's done. Uh, nothing I've ever heard of. So, <laughs> yeah, look him up. Um, but it's it's great. It's it's a really good um movie. I would I would say it's like a suspenseful thriller yeah. horror movie. So it's one um, of those that straddles genres. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Because it doesn't have anything to do with like, I mean, anything supernatural or, um, I don't know. I guess. Okay. Like but it's you know it's I don't I don't want to talk talk about it too much, but I I love this movie and it's it's not like a cheesy movie. It's not like a overly. Is like, it? Is it? Did you mention it? Was it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Okay, yes. perfect. So you can watch along. Yeah, on that's where I watched Netflix. it. All right. And I just recently saw it on there again. So yeah. I was like, ooh. Oh, there it is. Ooh, it's good to watch. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here in the hellhole. Oh, um, real quick, too. What? The, it stars Min Sik Choi. Min Sik Choi? From Old Boy. Oh, damn. I love Old Boy. Old Boy. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Lucy, Old Boy. The new, the new movie Lucy, too. Really? Yeah. And I didn't see Lucy, but it's good. in any case. Um, that's going to do it for us here in this hellhole that we call Stuff and Things Studios. Um, once again, I'm Chewy. I'm here with Evan and James. Thank you for joining us. And usually I like to go out on a killer line, but I mean, there wasn't really any here. We know. all must be Caligari. We all must be Caligari. We must be Caligari. Must be.